up, Steve, alcoholic. Yeah, this is a speaker meeting, and uh, if you're visiting Bolden, this, uh, this is up there to schedule of all the meetings here. And it's also called the Pink House, and it's where people save their livers south of the river. And, and uh, tonight's speaker is Mike, and uh, I first never, didn't really meet, like at AA, you meet people sometimes through their sharing. And that's how I met Mike, maybe six or seven years ago. And at the time, I didn't really like listening much to my sponsors, so I liked listening to people's shares who made sense more than to my sponsor. So I had like secret sponsors, uh, and he was one of them. So here's Mike. Thanks, Steve. Uh, my name is Mike, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi. It's good to be here. Uh, good to see all of you. Uh, I used to come to this meeting in, I guess, around 2004, 2005, 2006, when I lived up the street, and I really liked it. Um, there was more, uh, more people doing what you were doing in terms of the how it works feedback back then. Um, but I had moved from New York City, where I got sober, I've been sober about 12 years and I moved here and it was just hard to reconnect to AA um, or just to connect to AA. I didn't leave AA. I just, I just moving was really challenging for me. Um, I don't know if you guys have moved in AA, but it's, I don't know. I got sober in New York City. It was really, um, I was just really connected there. I lived on 75th Street and I could go to, you know, any number of meetings within 20 blocks of where I lived. And, run into people on the street all the time. I went to sometimes two or three meetings a day. Uh, I just really, you know, threw myself into AA, which, so moving was hard. But, um, but yeah, now I've been in Austin for a good number of years and feel really connected to the AA here. Um, so I guess I'll go back and tell part of my story. Um, so my my parents, uh, my mom and dad met at the University of Dallas, which is it was a little, it's a little liberal arts college outside of Dallas. I think it was like early on, it was Catholic. So my mom got pregnant in her uh, junior year. Um, <laughs> but my dad, it's interesting, you know, my dad is an alcoholic, or I, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't claim he's an alcoholic. I mean, anyway, he could be considered an alcoholic. And, um, but he had gotten kicked out of Providence, another Catholic college, uh, because of something he'd done in a blackout in a woman's dorm. Um, and that, you know, and, and then he'd, he'd shot his liver by the time, you know, he was real, uh, but when he was really young. But um, I'll just tell one story about their marriage. My, my, my mom's dad was kind of a bad dude. Like, he, he'd been in the war, and he came back, and he sort of ran with a sort of a hard crowd. He, he had a, a shoe store right next to one of Jack Ruby's bars, and apparently they were buddies. And um, I don't know if you guys know who Jack Ruby is. But um, so he shot Harvey Oswald, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> and, uh, but so my dad goes to ask my, my grandfather for, uh, you know, his, if he can marry his daughter. And, uh, and my grandfather told my father that he would kill him if he did. And he said he'd shoot him. And um, that, was, that didn't portend, you know, it wasn't a good way to start a relationship. Um, so they got married, no, no family. They got married in the basement 
of like a cafeteria at the university, you know, and they did the best they could. I was born nine months after my sister. Um, thank you, Catholicism. Um, and so, you know, they didn't really have a chance. They split up real early. And um, it, this is coming around to my sort of my story as an alcoholic and that they, they both sort of really went their separate ways. My dad was like a business guy. He totally split, became a drug dealer, and then he became a hippie and he moved out to California. I was born in 1965. I joined my dad on and off at his different sort of locations and I started using, I mean, I, I used for the first time when I was five years old and uh, I dropped acid and um, did coke. I, I mean, I just be, I was like kind of a garbage head kid. I'd live on these communes or these houseboats. I'd be, I'd see people having sex all around me. I'd be, you know, it's just very confusing as a kid. I was just very, um, I mean, drugs and alcohol saved my life, actually. Like, I was, I mean, I was, like, sleeping with my dad's girlfriend, you know, when I was six years. I mean, like, it was just fucking crazy. Um, and I, I would, you know, I'd seek out, I, I was just a little fiend. Like, I just, you know, and, and I mean that in a good way. Like, <laughs> um, I could find drugs, and I just, I would just get high. You know, the first time I remember drinking was in a, a commune, like, in southern Colorado, and and I just drank until I, you know, until I passed out, blacked out, attacked a woman um, sexually. I was like seven. The next day, you know, and it was kind of, it was, it was like this thing where people were like applauding it, but also disgusted by it at the same time. Like, like the next day I had to, and it was this, we lived at this funky ass commune. It was like, all the houses, are the, there's like little rooms built into this fucking mesa. It was cold as fuck. I mean, it was so cold, and we didn't have the right clothes. You know, I mean, it was just, and it was just, it was a lot of renegade hippie dudes. It wasn't like guys like, let's build a community. It was like, it was, it was just, they're more outlaws. And, um, and so the next day, I, I remember going in, you know, my head is like, I have this, I don't know what it is, but it's a hangover. I go in, and, and there's, you know, the communal kitchen, and everybody's like looking at me, and and I don't know, like I just like shame just became a big part of, I mean, all of that was so confusing and sort of, I just, you know, took on a lot of the shame and the sort of uncomfortable feelings. And so, I mean, I just was, you know, I was gone. I mean, I was a, I was a very, very active drug addict, alcoholic from that point forward. And um, I had a lot of access as a kid to, you know, like it's really interesting actually. Um, when I was in fourth grade, I was living in Taos, New Mexico, which was just hard for lots of reasons. But one of them was that, you know, there was like, if I, if I fought in, this, in the elementary school, you know, like I kicked this one, I beat this one kid up, but then I just, I, there was only like three white kids in the school. So I would just get jumped constantly, you know, so I was scared all the time. And my friends, they, their, their mom's boyfriend just got back from Vietnam and he was dealing drugs. And so I would just stay with them, and we would just be high all the time. And, and then, like, it's really fascinating. I, I met up, there's a friend here in AA, and I said, you know, I used, to, I used to just get high with these guys all the time. And then they kicked, like, the mom kicked me out of their trailer. She, like, she said, you can't come back here anymore, because all you do is smoke all our pot and talk about pussy. And... Um, and I don't mean to be rude, but I was just like, that's how, fun. like, I was just so, I was trying, I was just in a really twisted kid, and I was, like, trying to be 
older and can, you know, I don't know what, I, I was just really struggling. And uh, it made sense that I was high all, like, just, you know, I really like drinking and using drugs. Um, but it was interesting, that kid, so these, these two twins, Paul and Tim DeMiro, and this friend of mine is like, I went to school with a guy named Paul DeMiro. And uh, we tracked it down, and it was the same guy. And then we had, he, he's in AA now. His brother OD'd in Mexico and died, um, or was killed. Um, but we had dinner, like we fucking had dinner. You know, I saw this guy, so that was really cool. Um, so yeah, and, and I'm, you know, like people that I'm friends with from that time, you know, every, it was just a rough life. Lots of people, you know, um, had pretty rough lives. So my mom was, she ended up in Toronto and, and um, also for a while she lived in Vancouver and that was really crazy. She lived on this little island, and so I could just drink all the time. There was no cops on the island. Um, I was really into stealing. Uh, we could break into houses, uh, do different things like that. I did get caught stealing a few times, which was embarrassing, because I was at school, and the police came to my school and took me out. Um, and again, it was, just, it was just complicated. I was allowed to drink at home. I could use drugs at home. But I would also, my mom would get furious when I would get in trouble for what I did. I was also, I do crazy shit. I try to blow things up. I was really into f starting fires, uh, spray painting. I like to do that, spray paint people's shit. Um, I don't know. I just was like, I wanted shit to blow up. Like, I just wanted to make things, like, we'd make pipe bombs. And, uh, and I don't know. I guess the, I guess what was going on was I just, I like the adrenaline, like it changed the way I feel. If you plant a pipe bomb and then you run away from it, you like, you know, it's exciting. Um, you know, so eventually, let's see, I, uh, I moved to Hawaii. I dropped out of high school. Um, I, I was like a, I was pretty good at school and then suddenly at a certain time I just wasn't. And my brain didn't work, I'm sure now they would, you know, diagnosed me as something, but I just, my brain would no longer work. I just was, you know, um, I was stoned a lot. I was, I was drinking, I was blacking out all the time in high school. Um, at my prom, I, I got, came to in a blackout in a cop car. I'd stolen this guy's car. I didn't steal his car. I mean, I did steal his car, but I didn't really steal his car. I just said, I didn't tell him I was gonna borrow his car. And I guess I was just driving it around and I got pulled over. But um, so high school, I dropped out of high school and I moved to a pot farm in Hawaii when I was 17. Whoa. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so I, this seems pretty rambly. How can I make this more concise? Uh, I guess I, I was very, very uncomfortable with myself. And I was constantly, you know, as my sponsor, when I got sober, he used to say to me, he's like, Mike, your solutions are worse than your problems. And, and I was coming up with these solutions completely on my own. I was like, you know, I can't study. I don't know what's going on. You know, I had some really, you know, complicated relationships, uh, one particular with this girl. And, and it was real emotional. And I was, you know, sort of messed up about it. And I think that had something to do with it. But it also had to do with, you know, the drugs and alcohol. And so I was just like, well, just I'll run away and I'll start over, you know, like that's, that's a good thing. And so I went to, I, I was sitting on my sister's bed and she had been to Hawaii and she was going through these pictures and there was a picture of this pretty girl. And I was like, I'll go to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I did. 
and uh, I worked on a pot farm and was there's parts of that that were spectacular. I really liked being I liked the physical labor of it. I was good at it. I was strong. I was you know, um, but that again I was living with these drug addicts who were not no longer doing drugs, which was interesting because they had found Tibetan Buddhism, and um, I'd also. There was some sense of like spirituality that I, I was I was aware of the values of. Like my dad had, you know, he eventually sort of transitioned into um, a Native American church. It's called the Native American Church of God, which uses peyote as a sacrament. So I'd grown up with that, um, and so and that, and that had there's positive things. And I, you know, for me as a kid, or you know, I, I'd, I'd noticed I think like well, the Native American like. You know, the Native Americans here seem to, you know, have it a little bit more clear what's going on. My dad and his guys, you know, I, I guess I had some cynicism about that. But um, I guess I've always understood that my, you know, because my father would tell me this all the time, that his drug use and alcohol use was, it was some sort of search for something, some sort of spiritual connection. And I kind of got that. And so I'm over in Hawaii, and there's a Tibetan Lama at the pot farm. And these people have, have sort of, they've kicked heroin, and they're really into Tibetan Buddhism. Like, it's this, this couple. And they're like, they're, do, they're, they're, they're chanting for three hours every morning, and then we grow pot. And, um, and I'd, I'd do some of that, and I'd hang out with the Lama and talk to him. And I asked him to give me a meditation, and he kind of said, you're too crazy, but, you know, here, try this. And... Um, and I did, you know, and I did, and we do this thing called puja, which was really cool, where you'd sit at night and chant, and there'd be like these stacks of cards, and, you know, and the thing is, it was not actually sustainable for me, right? I mean, I could do that a little bit, but then I'd get high, I'd get drunk, I'd get in a fight at a bar, I'd get, you know, arrested. Like, you know, I just, there was nothing, and it actually, interestingly enough, it wasn't sustainable for the, for those people who had, sort of use that as a substitute for heroin because they needed, they needed like some steps because they were fucking crazy and eventually I was only there for a couple months when that relationship just blew up and it was ugly like he was violent with her and like it was just and it, the whole scene sort of fell apart and I was like I didn't know what to do so this guy actually this real tough guy, like I am not, I am just nothing like any of, like real, this real tough guy I knew from Toronto, he shows up and he's like, he's like, Mike, let's like, you know, let's like go heavy with this. And we started planning more up on the mountain and like, and then he would get us into fights with like these Hawaiian dudes. Like he was just, anyway, I eventually was like, I'm fucking out of here. Like, this. well, what happened was I'm walking down the trail one day and this guy comes along, he's got a 45. And he's like, he gives me this story about how they're just checking things out for, or that Pius, the guy I was growing with, had allowed him to come and cut some bamboo. But I knew it was bullshit. But I didn't know is that they came back two or three days later with like machine guns and they just started, they went down to our plants. Cause I had these beautiful, oh my God. I had these plants that were like higher, as high as the ceiling. Fucking, we called them donkey dick. The buds were like this. I mean, you would, it was just insane pot. And it was like, you know, and I had this big plan. I was going to sell it. I was going to buy a sailboat. I didn't know how to sail. I was going to buy a sailboat and sail around the world. Um, I had a guy who knew how to sail. Um, but they took it all. Like, they took it all. And then at the same time, 
the National Guard came and got our plants up in the mountains. And we got a call from like the mayor, who was like a friend of this guy's, and he was like, guys, you get to go get your plants. And so we were like, drive, four o'clock in the morning, we go driving out to the, you know, way out towards Hana, and we see these helicopters, and, and we get up there, and everything's gone. And they've just left, they sat, and they've, the National Guard sat and ate there, and they just left all their food there. <laughs> it was just, you know, anyway. So I left there, and I moved to New York City. Um, I had done a play there in, uh, at the Maui Community Theater. I found time to do a play, which was pretty crazy. I heard an announcement on the radio. And so I went and did a play. And, uh, and I was, I don't know, I was good in the play. And people were like, you should go to New York or LA and be an actor. And I was like, okay. Um, and I had, I had had some ideas about that before. I'd been in some commercials and done some stuff. And uh, my mom had worked in that industry for a, a little bit. So I moved to New York City, and uh, I did study acting, and, and went and, you know, was in some movies and a couple of Broadway plays, and, and, you know, but I was always, you know, I was always, I could stop drinking for a little bit, and then I'd go back to it. I could stop using drugs, and I'd go back to it. And I just, I was incapable of really forming, like, really having a life, you know? Like, I didn't have any, like, my friends were old sort of painters, who were all drunks, you know, and I, I, with the young guys, I just, I don't know, I felt too competitive, or I was scared, I was so insecure, and confused, and filled with, like, you know, all this, I really, the, that idea of being a fraud was with me constantly, like, there's pictures of me, I was in this play, it was a really good play, it was on Broadway, and I had to do, had, like, a Manchester accent, and I was acting, like, opposite this guy, who's now a fucking, like, knight, Sir Derek Jacobi. And, um, but I, I was so conflicted, like I didn't know how to, f like, remember the people I invited to like op the opening night party, it was like my mom and her crazy like obese boyfriend and their whole thing was really weird and this girl I barely knew, you know, and, and I think the day before I went and I just, I couldn't feel anything, I couldn't, you know, and I was, it was really interesting, there was a guy who was the understudy in that play and he would, always asked me to do heroin with him. And I was like, uh, you know, I just was like, I was in this play and I was kind of holding it together and I was like, I'm not gonna do that. And he fucking OD'd. Um, so I was scared, like there was part of me that was scared. And, um, but I, anyway, I went to this wall and I just punched the wall. I just kept punching the wall until I could, until I, my hands were all totally bloody, until I could feel something. Like that's, like I couldn't, I just didn't know what was going on with me. And, um, and in the pictures, like from the opening night, my, all these scabs on my hands. Um, and my drinking was just, it got, I don't know, it's a weird story because it kind of, you know, it ebbed and flowed and what I kind of hold it together for a little period of time based on, you know, I didn't have, I mean, there was nothing that was gonna catch me if I didn't take care of myself, you know. I was basically giving, both my parents were always asking me for money. Um, I was basically, you know, I was kind of moving around different apartments, trying to figure it out. And um, eventually I got a therapist who suggested I go to Al-Anon. And I went to Al-Anon and I felt really uncomfortable there. Like I could breathe. Like I would just sort of like have these panic attacks, but not always. I mean, sometimes I was okay. But the people I met there that I liked were in AA. Um, and 
I had this, my last sort of, you know, I was blacking out, doing that thing where you don't, you know, waking up, you know, having bruises all over me, not knowing where I am, all that sort of stuff was going on. Um, but then I got, I got this prescription for fear and all with codeine from this, like, <coughs> Russian guy, Russian doctor. And I was doing this movie that I thought was going to make me a big movie star. It didn't. Um, but I was just, I just, I just got, like, around the clock I was using, I was just, you know, I was using that stuff just to kind of, like, it, I don't know, just to try to, I was, all, I was just always self-medicating. Like, what's the thing? I really... This is kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit. I was just so uncomfortable in the present moment, you know? So uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, so filled. I was constantly trying to, like, I was constantly negotiating my mind. And my mind was just telling me, like, you're a fucking piece of shit. There's no way this is, like, you know, they're going to find out. Or I, was, I had all this, like, that whole acting thing was filled with comparison stuff because... You know, I'd gone to high, well, not high school, but I was really good friends with Keanu Reeves, and we drove across the country together, and we'd stay in touch, and he, you know, became a, just like, there's people I knew that were becoming these, you know, and it was that, it was that competition thing where you're like, you're acting it's so fucked up. Well, I mean, it can be fine if you're sort of oriented right towards it, but given my childhood and the sort of abandonment shit, and like, that was just a really bad recipe for me, like, to be in a, in a very tortured sort of state. It was, it was really painful. And um, so when I, I actually, so it was pretty funny. I, I went to that movie and I did the movie and it was, you know, it was a good experience and a bad experience. There was really neat people in it. Um, but I, I, after that, I went and visited my dad. And my dad lives in this little town called Los Lunas, south of Albuquerque, in this like little tiny house that you know, I gave him the down payment for, and not to judge him, but I mean, it just was like, I went there, and there was just something so small about his, like, you know, his sort of life, I was just like, fuck, I gotta change, like, I just, that was, something hit me, and, and then I went up to Taos, which was funny, where I'd been, at, you know, where I'd grown up when I was a kid, and I saw these people there that I drank with all the time in New York City, and the guy was like, I'm going to an AA meeting, do you want to go, and I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So I went to this AA meeting, and for some reason I lied and said I was in AA, and you know, or something. <laughs> but it, but then later that night we're at this party and we're smoking weed, and he's telling me how he's gonna needs to do a ninth step with me, and I was just confused because I was like, we we can smoke weed at like, hey, you're in AA, like I just didn't anyway. Um, I don't know if that guy ever got sober. I went back to New York City and I. I called up a guy I knew who was in Al-Anon and also in AA, and he took me to an AA meeting. And the first meeting he took me to was a gay meeting, Monday night meeting, and it was, it was, it was awesome. And the second day he took me to this meeting called Fireside, which is where I got sober, which was at the 63rd Street YMCA, 63rd, just in from the park. And it was uh, this big fucking meeting. Like, it was big. It was like 100 people. And the guy that was chairing it was this guy we called uh, Karate Scott. Super handsome dude, and he's wearing a Dallas Cowboys t-shirt. And I love the Cowboys since I was a kid. I don't really love them anymore. But, um, but I was like so into the Cowboys when I was a kid. And then this guy was like, and there was this whole group of young men that like, I was, you know, that I eventually became part of, you know. It, it took a while because I had all these, you know, I had all this denial and all this resistance to AA, and um, 
but but at that at that meeting they had an interim sponsorship person and this guy I went up to this guy and they'd like give you numbers, right? They'd say like, oh, if you need an interim sponsor, I'll give you a number. So I went up to this guy, Anthony, and uh, he's this big surfer guy. And, and um, I said, I, you know, I need an interim sponsor. And he looked at me right in the eye and he was just like, I'm your sponsor. He's like, I can tell you want it. And I met him the next morning and, and, and did a, you know, worked a, started, started a first step. You know, and just I, that meeting had that one big meeting, and then it had a little beginners meeting across the hallway, and I went, I just, I was there every day, you know, and it was amazing, and I met all these incredible people, and just started, you know, it probably it took me a long time, like I just had all this denial, like I'm not an alcoholic, I'm not an alcoholic, and 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 after 90 days, you you tell your story. And you know, by the time I was 10 years old, I was a fucking alcoholic. Like people just laughed at me when I said, oh, I'm not really sure if I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's a powerful thing though, because I think the reasons that we don't come in here, like all the different things our mind can tell us, you know, it's really powerful. You know, why to, why to go out and use again instead of staying in AA? Or why not to actually get actually fully in AA? You know, like there's a lot of, there was a lot there and I felt really fortunate that I had people that would walk me through it because one thing I learned, which is an experience I never had in my life, was I could actually tell somebody what I was actually thinking. Like, the, like AA was the first time that ever happened to me in my life. And my first sponsor fired me because he said I was too angry. But, um, but then I got a sponsor who, you know, he was an amazing guy. He, he was on his last slip, he'd got HIV. So he was like seven years into fighting HIV and, and he was gonna die. He knew he was gonna die. You know, he had started that, back in the day it was different. You, they, they blasted you with AZT or that's what he chose to do. And eventually he, he, you know, his liver was gonna give out. But, but he was my sponsor for 12 years and uh, until he died. And he was the most amazing guy. And he had, you know, he was Irish, like me, he'd grown up in, you know, different story, but kind of a lot of similarities. Um, and he would just, I mean, the dude would just talk to me about AA and about life and, you know, um, in a way that was unbelievable. I mean, it was the parent I never really had, the brother I never had, it was everything. Not just him, I mean, it was a whole group of people, you know, and we ran with and we went to the same meeting every Thursday night for, in, I don't know, 10 years, I mean, just years and years and years, you know, and, um, and I was, you know, A saved my life, it gave me a life, you know, just, it, re it just let me start over again and figure out how to be a human being. Um, I went to school, you know, I dropped out of high school and I just worked and stuff, I went to college, which was fascinating. Um, you know, I got, I got a sober job. I'd never really worked in restaurants. I did a little bit cooking when I was acting, but, you know, I got jobs in restaurants and just sort of did, you know, I'm waiting on people that, like, used to be the doorman at, like, the place where I was in the Broadway show. And, you know, that was humiliating and, and you know, made me feel shitty, but it was also, like, it was fine because I was sober. Like, it all would just come, like, A would just level everything back to what's the importance right, the perspective that, that would be important. Um, and I became more and more, you know, comfortable in my own skin. Um, and like, listen, I'm sober 26, I'll be sober, I mean, if I don't drink in the next month, I'll be sober for 27 years. And it's not, I mean, it, you know, it's not like it's always easy and it's always, 
like I get really uncomfortable when people get up here and they're just like, you know, it's just up and up and up and, you know. Um, <laughs> or I don't know, it's like, I mean, I, I'm very grateful to be fully alive and experiencing, I've experienced, you know, a ton of grief in AA. Um, I've experienced a ton of joy, so much friendship, so much love. I remember, and there was this guy, Smitty, I got sober with, he was a crack addict and he had, his nerves were all fucked up. And when he came in, his doctor was like, just let AA love you and your, your body will heal. And it's true, like, you know, his nerves settled down, you know, helped that he was not smoking crack anymore. <laughs> um, you know, and that same thing, you know, like my body, my mind, my relationships have somewhat healed. I've got two advanced degrees. I've, you know, I teach high school, which is fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> And I'm really good at it. You know, I'm really good at like connecting with kids. I'm good at, I've had a bunch of those kids sort of run into trouble with, not a bunch, but a handful of kids run into trouble with drugs and alcohol. And that's been, you know, you, I mean, I can just talk to them. I kind of, you know, um, I've made films. I've done, you know, I've done lots of really cool stuff. I'm married, been married for, I don't know, 22 years. Um, and I'm available, like my wife recently lost her dad and that's really heavy and it's been, it's funny, it's kicked up all this weird abandonment shit in me, which is interesting. You know, I've done a ton of therapy. I went to an inpatient uh, adult children of alcoholics place once, this place called the Karen Foundation, which kicked my ass, but it really got me in touch with, um, actually I was in this, it was in this, I was in this uh, sober men's <clears throat> AA, like um, psychotherapy group for like, 10 years in New York City, and it was fucking awesome. There was a guy in there who had been the manager of The Who. There was like, I mean, just the coolest fucking dudes. And they were all just like working on the shit that, you know, having grown up with alcoholic parents and different, you know, different things. And uh, I got in touch really with self-hatred in there, like how much I just, the way I grew up, I had to justify what was going on. So it was just like it, you know, it became, you know, it was a way of doing it. It was this, this, this real dark sort of self-hatred that I've had to keep sort of working at. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, for me, it's about I get to live a sober day, you know, and, and I get, I, I'm so clear about the choices I have today. I still need help on a regular basis, really just sort of organizing my day because I can still, like, not come up with good ideas. Um, I know time, time, like having, having a good schedule is really helpful to me. Um, knowing where I'm going, knowing what I'm doing, um, and being available, you know, like to, to other people. Uh, I think we get that, you know, we get, if we stay sober and get to get into service and, and being, you know, present and available to people is such a rewarding thing. Uh, I've had wild things happen, like my best friend in high school who I always like, thought was like, Oh, just the golden boy becomes a doctor and, you know, everything's perfect. Well, yeah, I didn't know that he was uh, stealing heroin at his hospital and, you know, ended up in one of those doctor rehabs and almost lost his license and, you know, all this then was having, you know, and so now he's sober. And so we get, you know, that relationship's different. Um, there's some sad stuff. I have a stepbrother who's, uh, yeah, I've known since he was, Three, I guess, and I love him dearly, and you know, tried to get him into rehabs, and that's not happening. Um, and yet, this, you know, 
just stuff like that, you know? Life, it's life. It's like, you know, it's, it's uh... anyway, I'll stop talking. It's great you're all here. I hope I made some sense. Um, my life is, uh, is really organized and has been since it's actually been organized around the principles of AA. And uh, for that, I'm really forever grateful and humble. And, uh, and I also, you know, my friend Dan used to, my sponsor Dan used to say, I love AA, I love AA. You know, and I really love AA. And that means I love all of you. I love that you're here on this Friday night. And uh, you want to be sober, you know, and you want to just have a sober day and fortify yourself and give yourself what you need to make that as graceful as it can be, you know? Because I don't know, every time I live an AA meeting, leave an AA meeting, I, I interact with the world and with myself in a, in a better way. That's been my experience, you know? I mean, there's, there's definitely meetings, like, you know, there's meetings I've left where I've been fucking furious and hated people <laughs> and um, thought the speaker just talked way too much. But <laughs> anyway, thank you all. Good to see you. I'm Mike, I'm an alcoholic. Thank you.